0: Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Joined this week by both my co-hosts, Cam, and the chairman, and Vincent. Uh, not a busy news week, but we've got, a lot of, we got some things we're going to talk about as regards to the on-screen stuff in AEW and WWE, uh, as well as starting a new little thing we plan on doing, a little top five uh, we're going to try to be doing during our non-busy weeks where we just throw out random topics, and we're going to list our top five. And this week, we're going to list our top five War games teams of all time, whether they be from WCW, NXT, NWA, WWE, whichever one, it does. There's no, there's no restrictions So we're gonna have that at the end of the show. Uh, to start the show this week, before we get into any of this stuff, I want to talk about. I know Cam, you weren't on last week, so you didn't get a chance to talk anything CM Punk related as far as his as his release goes and everything that went on backstage at all in uh so i'm gonna give you a little chance here to kind of give your thoughts on the cm punk stuff from a few weeks ago
1: oh man i don't even know i don't know writing on the wall i don't know when i first when the pay-per-view was going on you know and then i saw that you know i tweeted out that team collision was two and oh and then i said three and know if you uh, believe the rumors going on backstage um i don't know cm i mean we're in a world where i mean i don't know it's It's hard for me to not want to side with punk because I feel like this happens a lot in sports and in wrestling. I mean, you see in the sidelines coach players yelling at coaches, players yelling at players, you know, a lot of different things happening in sports, pro wrestling. I'm sure it happens a lot. Um, so you know, Punk, you know, obviously frustrated with what Jack Perry said. You know, Jack Perry trying to say he's trying to get hill heat. And I'm like, You're trying to get I don't believe you because you're trying to get hill heat with what, the television audience? Because no one no one inside Wembley Stadium heard you say that. So you're trying to get quote he heat with uh the tv audience so people will like what tweet about you or x about you whatever you want to call it now um so i didn't believe that obviously he was taking a shot at punk and punk confronted him and you know i expect what i expect from jungle boy jack perry to, for it to happen and then who knows all the stuff with tony con like who knows like if tony Khan just you know came to the decision like this is just too much like i love punk you know he's doing he does good things for our company but it's kind of too much and, and you know it is what it is at this point you know and then if we believe any of the rumors about CM Punk, you know, putting out a feeler about wanting to come back and wrestle Kevin Owens and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know, you know, if Punk ever does come back to WWE, I, I, I don't think it'll be soon. I think it'll be somewhere down the road, maybe a couple years, do his go into the hall of fame, do like three or four matches type of thing. And then, and then leave. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I think the, the biggest obstacle now for AEW and Tony Khan is to make collision still matter um, to make, it not just be rampage, you know, where it's a two hour long rampage. The, the roster isn't deep enough. You know, we always talk about there being a lot of guys in the WWE, but you know, any or AEW's roster for three television shows four, I guess you can count dark um, four television shows with kind of same people kind of intertwining with each other, you know, the, the tough competition or the tough uh, thing now for Tony Khan is to make collision watchable and, you know, keep it relevant.
0: Yeah, you bring up the WWE stuff. You know, today was the big um, UFC-WWE merger underneath the TKO banner. I think that's what it was, TKO. Um, And somebody asked Nick Khan, uh, president of WWE, about um, CM Punk. And his uh, quote really didn't answer a question. All he said was... Listen, we only have respect for Phil. We appreciate his run here. We appreciate what he did and tried to do in UFC. Not many people can actually get in there and do what he did. So we have respect for Phil. We wish him nothing but the best. So not really a yes, we're interested. Not really a no, we're not interested. Um, I kind of laughed at the what he tried to do in UFC line, considering, if you know, I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you know CM Punk's record in UFC and how his uh, two fights went. So I don't know if that was an intentional shot at him or not. I I don't think it was. I don't even think he was thinking about it. But, I mean, there's money on the table. We all know that. You know, if if something were to happen down the line, I agree with Cam that I don't think it's anything that's going to happen anytime soon. It's probably going to be a little bit before we get to anything about CM Punk coming in. Maybe when you get to WrestleMania season this year, maybe after WrestleMania, who knows? But I don't anticipate, even with uh, Survivor Series, as Chairman and I talked about last week, Survivor Series being in Chicago this year, I still wouldn't think anything like that's going to be happening. So let's get on now to the topics of the week. Uh, First thing I want to talk about, and is the MJF run as AEW World Champion? Uh, as we all know, MJF beat uh, John Moxley last November at full gear for the AEW World title. So he's kind of closing in on a year now, November 19th. So we're looking at 10 months. So it's getting close to a year as far as um, uh, MJF being champion. And his run has been full of, I think, ups and downs. You know, the stuff of Brian Danielson I thought was really good, and Brian Danielson got him to his. Probably best match ever is in an AEW ring, uh, but then you had the four-way pillar stuff with Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, when he was still Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and Darby Allen in that pillars match that we criticized. Um, you know, well, what was going on and just a whole build up to it that didn't really draw any anything in, at least in our opinion. Uh, and then, of course, now pretty much since the beginning of the summer, he's been going into a few. with... Well, he started off as a feud with Adam Cole, and now they're a tag team, and they're still Ring of Honor tag team champions. And uh, MJF looks like he's probably starting something with Samoa Joe, given the promo exchange they had last week. I mean, Samoa Joe is in this title tournament to, to determine MJF's uh, next challenger and i thought the promo battle you know joe is always great on promos i thought what they did last week was pretty good so it seems like that's where we're going with mjf i don't know if samoa joe is the guy that beats mjf for the title but uh the first question so basically this topic uh i'll go to you chairman first here uh your thoughts on mjf's title reign and how you would grade it so far
2: oh boy i definitely think it's probably like a c plus b minus i don't know it just feels like it kind of goes off course at times like there's some high points like obviously i would say his work of samoa joe this past you know dynamite was very good i thought that promo was very good i thought those two did very well it's very nice to see samoa joe on wednesday night dynamite samoa joe is a fantastic wrestler you know watched him a lot over the years and I'm happy to see AEW's finally putting them in a big program like this with uh, MJF. And I mean, I agree. I don't think Samoa is going to be the guy to take a title off a young rising star like MJF. But this is definitely a good um, run back to the Samoa Joe pushing MJF in the hallway many years ago. So that definitely is going to be interesting to watch coming up. But... You know, then you get to the stuff Adam Cole. It's fun stuff, don't get me wrong, but then the title's kind of not the focus point no more, where it's the focus is on the bromance. And then you got the roster full of guys like Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, et cetera, et cetera, you know, whether they've had a chance at MGF or not. Like, none of these guys are, like, wanting to you know, fight for the world title. And I saw Dave Meltzer, of all people, which I totally agree with. Like, they had that tur- tournament, you know, And you got guys like freaking Trent and freaking Nick Wayne in this tournament. Like these guys haven't done anything worth talking about, but yet you know these major players aren't in the tournament. So like they're not setting MJF MJF up for anything successful. I mean, yes, Mojo's gonna win this tournament. I mean, it's it's a given. Basically, looking at the brackets and who they all threw in there. But like you're telling me, like none of these top guys want a shot at this. Like I mean, it's just terribly booked, Tony Khan. But we've talked about that time and time again. Um, but the rant here continues.
0: Yeah, I think I read something about that tournament where like none of those guys had had a lot of singles wins in a in a long time, or like a good amount of them haven't had that many singles wins in forever. So it's just a weird. It was a weird tournament to book. It's like Tony just like threw his ac- his wrestling action figures in like a bin, like and would just draw out names and like when I was a kid playing with my Hasbro figures and I would just pull random wrestlers out of the bag and have matches with them. I think that's what Tony Khan probably thought he was doing with this tournament here. But I'm with you. I think you know MJF's reign started good. Uh, you know the stuff of Moxley. Um, you know he had a, he actually had a good match with Ricky Starks in there too. And like I said, the Brian Danielson match was good. But then it's kind of like you said. It's like the the four pillar stuff was just bad. Like I get what they were trying to do with it and build a pay per view around those guys, but the the build up to it just didn't make any sense and there was those singles matches where like guys got counted out and guys got disqualified and just to get to a fatal four way match. Uh, it just didn't work. And, I mean, then he had during the summer, I mean, he was doing stuff like with he had a title match against Ethan Page. I'm sorry, but Ethan Page should never be getting a world title match ever, no matter what the circumstances. And then, like you said, with the Adam Cole stuff, it's been like I was against it in the beginning, I didn't think it was working. It's gotten better, but. Like where are we going here? Are we are these guys really just going to remain like friends and Adam Cole's not going to care about the title anymore? They're just going to remain ROH Tag Team Champions forever and then like like how long is this going to extend out? I mean that this has been going on since June. We're in September now, so we're getting close to um you know 3 months easily, probably going on 4. We've got two pay-per-views now is coming up. We've got the Grand Slam show, which I just saw, apparently isn't doing that great in ticket sales. So maybe they try to do something big there. But it seems like Samoa Joe is the buffer into, I don't know, another Adam Cole match at uh, full gear. I don't know, but I think I'm with you. Like I think it started off as like a high, even like an A minus B plus. But this last half has been kind of what's brought it down. Like you said, to pretty much like I would say like a C, uh, a great as far as champion goes. Uh, what do you think, Cam?
1: Yeah, man, I've kind of gotten the feeling outside of the Danielson match, um, I mean Adam Cole to an extent as well, that it's it's like MJF is the world champion, but Tony Khan doesn't want to put any of the top guys with him because they want MJF to still be the champion, obviously, but they don't want his his list of accomplishments to include any of the upper echelon guys besides Cole and and, and Brian Danielson, which. I mean, to a certain extent, it's fine. Like, whatever. You know, you can make the argument that it's cool that Darby Allin got a title match and Sammy Guevara and all these guys got title matches. It's cool. And, you know, we've seen this in wrestling throughout time where you're like, okay, well, how come these guys aren't at least trying to get a championship match? Um, so, I, I, I mean, they could have at least put Page in there. At least have, if you're going to do Samoa Joe, which I'm completely fine with, at least have Joe beat Page in the finals or something along those lines. Some upper echelon guy. Um yeah, it was, I don't know. I, I did not like the tournament idea. Like, I saw it. I didn't watch Dynamite this last week. Um, the tournament, whenever Tony Khan does tournaments, it's always, like, low-mid-card to mid-mid-card guys. And, you know, the fin- the finishes are always stupid. Just, like, the p- four-pillar stuff I thought was horrible. Um, I mean, I get it. Just, but if they would have just said, hey, we're going to do a fatal four-way because all three of these guys want to be in the match. Like, okay, fine. We didn't have to do all this. Crap, but you know you have to extend stuff in pro wrestling. um The thing I've liked most is that MJF has has changed a little bit up in his character. His promo work obviously has been fine, so I'm going to give it like a B minus because I think it's been good, but I also don't feel like he's been dealt the best hand because Kenny's involved with with Don Callis and you got all that stuff. And Moxley is I don't know what what John Moxley's doing. He must be having the time of his life because he walked away from a lot of money in the WWE basically do the same stuff in aew except he gets to cut himself open every week so i guess that was the deal breaker for, for mox it was hey i want to bleed and vince was like no and he's like fine then i'm gonna go to somewhere where it's gonna let me bleed all unnecessarily i'm like okay cool um so i mean it is what it is i'll give it a b minus i think it's been okay right now though i don't know who you know we'll talk about the danielson stuff i don't know who's going to be the guy i mean at some point does Kenny omega finally say hey i'm gonna have some freaking singles matches in aew or i don't know what's who's the guy
0: yeah, that's gonna kind of be my next question to pose is that, like looking at all this stuff, who is gonna be the guy to the throne? MJF. I mean, at this point, and, you know, like you said there's Kenny Omega is always there. Like, when is does he just not want to be champion? Does he not want to do like a, a I mean, I don't even know if I'm gonna call it quote unquote grueling schedule. I mean, you're only doing like two shows at most a week. I mean, because Kenny Omega is not wrestling on Rampage more than likely. Um, so is he the guy? I mean. I thought, I think somebody that's really stepped up over the last month is Swerve Strickland. I thought his promo against Hangman Adam Page the other night on Dynamite was excellent. You know, is he somebody that you can think of? I mean, Ricky Starks is a guy that I've seen thrown out there. I think whoever does to throw an MJF has to be somebody that gets... A rub off it so you're not looking at like a daniel Sander, or a john moxley somebody that you know already has like the cred- credentials of a main eventer i mean hell do you even look at orange cassidy as your world champion now that he's not international champion anymore who the hell knows um but do you have any thoughts on chairman about who could possibly be somebody that could dethrone mjf when the time comes
2: there's definitely a lot of guys that could do it, but I think my list is down to three, even though MJF has fought some of these guys already. But I feel like after all the punk stuff, especially in Brian Danielson being on his last hurrahs, they're saying, like, it'd be nice for him to have an AEW World Championship run. I'm sure he's probably one of those guys that doesn't want it. But I think if he would win the title, it would create a lot of buzz for the better. And AEW needs some positive press. So, this may not be a bad thing. The Adam Cole situation, of course, is another one. You know, they got the bromance, but maybe Cole decides to turn his back on MJF all along. You know, instead of MJF usually one screwing somebody over, maybe it's finally Adam Cole goes heel, which we all love Adam Cole heel work anyway. And this could, you know, take off. Or my sleeper pick is Darby Allin. They got history together, he's another pillar. And I think Darby deserves a run as world champion, honestly, for all the work. And his body went out last launch longer anyway, so probably should get the title on him sooner than later.
0: Yeah, and we bring up uh, Brian Danielson, and we kind of mentioned his name a couple times on what he said this past week on Collision, basically implying that his time as a full-time wrestler is getting low. I mean, he's uh, getting up there in age. They talk, he talks about wanting to be a family man. Uh, basically, saying you know what's next. We've con- he's confirmed that there's going to be a Zack Saber Jr. accepted his challenge, I believe, for the Wrestle Dream show. That's coming up in October, so that's a dream match that Daniel or Brian Danielson can get out of the way. Um, but yeah, here we are with Brian Danielson. He's had, he had his big match with Okada, and unfortunately, suffered a broken uh, a broken forearm from it. Uh, but there, like after the announcement, there was an article ran by Sports Illustrated that's quoted multiple sources to say he is stepping away full-time in the next year but wants to remain a special attraction for AEW. I mean, that is something, obviously, that I think would be fine. I mean, Brian Danielson's a guy who's been wrestling now for, geez, I think almost 20 years at this point, if not longer. Um, so he's definitely earned it. He's had a successful run in... WWE he's had a pretty successful run in AEW I think just not being champion yet Um, but it's kind of another you know if he's not going to be around full-time you take away Punk you take away Danielson you're kind of left looking at your young guys that you need that you want to um, step up for you you know looking at like we've mentioned a Swerve Strickland like a Hangman Adam Page like, uh, like a Darby Allen something like that those are the kind of people that you're looking to step up in this kind of you know situation for you when you know that these two guys, Punk and Danielson, aren't going to be around much longer. Well, Punk obviously not around anymore, and Danielson kind of taking the opportunity to become more of a part-time wrestler. So, uh, Cam, I'll go over to you. Just your thoughts when you heard Danielson's announcement and what it means as far as AEW's future going into, I guess, 2024.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been going at it for 20 years. A guy that was forced to retire then come back. Um, I mean, he well deserves to go to part time. I kind of ever since like his debut in AEW, like the first, what, six months where he wrestled a lot. After that, he's kind of been, you know, a part time wrestler for AEW, not working as many matches, kind of just being the mouthpiece for Blackpool Combat Club for all those months. You know, I remember saying he's not wrestling because he's going to do the G1. And that's why he's not wrestling any like for like six months for AEW, because he's just saving up his body to wrestle, you know, 10 times or whatever um, for for New Japan. But that didn't happen. So, you know, he's kind of been a part timer for a while now. Um, so I'm excited to see what his bucket list type of thing is. And then going forward, you know, I'm not sure, you know, the contract stuff with pro wrestling. So I assume he's probably got a couple years left and maybe he'll serve as a backstage uh, producer and, you know, hang out with his family and come back for one or two more matches for AEW after this year. And then at some point, you know, after, you know, I assume him and Brie Bella, or, you know, her real name, sorry, um, they want to have more kids or something along those lines so if they do that and here in a couple of years i just like punk i think brian will come back and do like a year run the wwe and go into the hall of fame and you know probably drift off into the sunset and maybe make some appearances here and there throughout the years you know the guy is i think 42 or 43 something like that and it kind of surprised me um that he's that old but i was like hey, i'm getting older and i was like this is fun. you know one of those moments where you're like damn holy shit i'm getting old uh anyways um so yeah you know kudos for him you know i can't wait to see i assume there'll be another okada match in there somewhere another match with kenny um you know the other guys he could wrestle in aew maybe he wrestles moxie one more time but you know something i was thinking about what would be his quote like retirement match if it was in if he comes back to WWE? and you know at some point he'll probably wrestle rollins or roman or cody or something along those lines a few years from now but aew like what is daniel bryan or brian danielson's quote retirement match in aew
0: uh yeah, Dan, uh Danielson is forty two years old and yeah, it's a whole getting older thing. I mean, I made a comment to my friend. I was made a comment to that day to my friends and like, yeah, I have an older couple living next to me now. They're probably like probably early forties and we're like, he's like, hey, watch how you say that because like you know, I'm thirty five. My a lot of my friends are 37, 38. seven, thirty eight. You're like, hey, that's not old anymore. I go, oh, shit, you're right. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, what is Danielson's retirement match? Did you? I mean. Does MJF stay champion for over a year, and you do an MJF Dan- Danielson title versus career match? I mean, and Danielson actually, but you know, eight, I mean, we all know retirement stipulations in wrestling don't get held up. But is that something? Um, like you said, we're doing. Like I guess we're doing Zack Saber Jr. in October. I'm sure there's going to be an Okada match. I got a feeling he'll probably wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom on the fourth uh, of January. Um, but yeah, nothing really stands out as far as. Retirement match goes unless he's looking at maybe Doing something like putting over a Wheeler Yuta or a Daniel Garcia uh, If you're going to go that route I think that's probably what Danielson would want to do He'd probably want to wrestle somebody that again would get the rub of Beating Danielson in his Retirement match but uh yeah I mean I agree with you he's had this career he definitely deserves the opportunity to relax and be a family guy um you know just it's all positive for him I mean his whole career I mean you know, you look at some of the early WWE stuff before the yes movement that catapulted him into the star that he will become it's it's rough you know a lot of the NXT stuff is is rough that you know United States, you know. Runs in the mid-card. It was rough, but he fought through it. He had kick-ass matches, and then we got the awesome moment at WrestleMania 30 that launched them into superstardom here for the last, what, almost 10 years now. Uh, so, Chairman, what are your thoughts when you saw the Bryan Danielson news from this past weekend?
2: I'm kind of bummed out, honestly, because like this is a guy who was at his all-time high, and then he had to step away with the injury and never thought he'd wrestle again. And then we get him back. And then, you know, he's had some bad luck with injuries. And now it's like, wow, are this, our time might be over already. It's like, damn, we just got you back. I think he said something when Birdie, his daughter, turned seven, which I think it's like next May. So we're down to maybe six months-ish, give or take, maybe a little bit longer. But, you know, wrestling, never say never. And I'm sure he will probably do the big pay-per-views. And it's like Cam said, you know, he's basically part-time now anyway. I mean, he really is. I don't think I can remember the last time he's wrestled on a tv show i mean (laughs) it's been a hot minute but yeah i mean he's one of those guys that you know he's a phenomenal in-ring worker everybody will talk all day about that but this guy also can play a lot of different characters you know he played the comedy character with the yes movement and team hell no he did all the serious stuff you know whereas you know getting the feud of the miz or the stuff with black cool combat club now or you know when he went all environmental with Oh man, the, the belt he had, the hemp belt. I mean, it was crazy stuff, man. I mean, he he's a treasure, man. I mean, we, we we're very happy to get to w- witness most of his career. I mean, one of these days I want to go back to his Ring of Honor stuff and check that out. But I mean, his early WWE stuff, you know, to his stuff now, you know, it's been it's been great to watch. And you know, I hope he's happy with whatever he decides to do going forward. And we'll enjoy the time we have left in the ring with him.
0: Uh, yeah, now let's go over now to some of the WWE stuff that we want to talk about here. Uh, one backstage news story that's been making the rounds over the last uh, few days is that LA Knight and the WWE are in some kind of contract talks. Do uh, you, you believe some people, people say the deal was reached? Some people are saying they're far apart on money, but it seems like that they're trying to renegotiate LA Knight's contract to pay him the money that he probably deserves considering he's – I guess internally by according to some reports being considered now the top baby face over on SmackDown, which I think is even surprising a little bit for us. I mean, we've been pushing LA Knight now for a while on this show, but I think even the fact that they're considering it in the top baby face is kind of like, Whoa, whoa all right. And I know he had a brief interaction, I believe with Paul Heyman uh, this past week on SmackDown. So that's kind of planting the seeds for something they might want to do down the line between LA Knight and Roman Reigns. This is, it's amazing I think we might even get an LA Knight-Roman Reigns match at some point. Um, but it, it seems like maybe the WWE is finally willing to take the leap here with LA Knight and give him the the main event face run that he probably deserves after getting over like he has over the summer. They're finally starting to give him more TV time every week. Uh, he had his win like we talked about over The Miz at uh, Payback last or two weekends ago. So it seems like they're finally starting to get behind them, which makes me think I don't think they're as far apart as money as people would probably might speculate. Because, I mean, apparently LA Knight's contract is still I got a few years left on it, but he's trying to, there's obviously renegotiating now because I think he's probably still on his NXT contract. And he's now a main roster guy who's the top merch seller in the company. So you probably want to get a little bit more there. Uh, so, but the question I'll go to you, Cam, is. Do you think LA Knight, as, as much as we praise him here, has what it takes to be the top star on SmackDown?
1: Um, I believe he could be the top star that, you know, with Roman's not there on a week-to-week basis, I think that's totally perceivable. Um, I mean, you kind of look at the landscape of SmackDown, and I feel like they're not as heavy. They're kind of relying on Paul Heyman and Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa to kind of carry things and LA Knight because Raw feels a lot more top-heavy. Than SmackDown does, especially with the addition of Jay Uso being on on Raw strictly now, and the matches that they're setting up. You know, him and Drew McIntyre are gonna that's gonna be fucking fantastic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like he's set up for it. I mean, I you know people want to compare him to Stone Cold or whatever, and the the style of the promo and you know I I say he's kind of fully embraced it. Everyone fucking loves it. So um, as long as they at some point you know at least give him matches with you know, he's beaten the Miz now and you know, he's had a little bit of entertain entertaining things, but you know they, they, they had the idea of payback or not the idea. They kinda of poked at, you know, him and Cena maybe. I mean him and Cena next year at Mania would be fantastic. I think that completely puts him over the top if they don't put a title on him by now. But you know, at this point he doesn't have to be part of the US title scene. He can kinda of just be that baby face that can kinda of carry things while Roman's not there. And but right now You know, September twelfth, twenty twenty three. Do I think La Knight beats Roman Reigns for the undisputed title? No, unfortunately, no. I don't think he's quite there yet, but he's definitely, definitely come a long way from. Okay, when they brought him in, I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. And then he didn't really do much in NXT, and then they did the, the model crap, and it's like, okay, like you know, none of this is working, you know. And then he apparently did this gimmick in NWA, which I learned about a week or two ago. That he was kind of doing this sort of thing in the NWA when he was over there for a little bit with freaking Billy Corgan and all the Smashing Pumpkin guys. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he deserves it. And he deserves a raise for sure. Like, who knows? We don't want to believe that. But since the, the noise is out there, who knows if he leaked it or someone else leaked it. But I think that they'll take care of him. You know, they just got a shitload of money and Endeavor has a shitload of money. And the people that run that company are super, super rich. So, you know, pay the guy. You know, he doesn't deserve to be on the NXT contract anymore. He deserves that main roster money.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, he definitely deserves some kind of raise, like I said, especially with him being such a top merch seller. I mean, and hell, I mean, it's somebody that probably, you know, yeah, I know he wouldn't fit like the, you know, like you kind of hinted at there. Everybody kind of looks at him as a Stone Cold or a rock ripoff. I'm just like, well, you know, the Rock was almost a rip off of superstar Billy Graham. So you want to go all all the way down. Everything in wrestling is always rip off of something that came before it, or at least a partial rip off of something that came before it. So you can't criticize LA Knight for that. You know the guy's gotten over. Is the guy the greatest? You know in ring worker in the company? No. But the crowd loves him, the crowd's invested in him, the crowd's invested in his matches, and you always talk about listening to the fans, and in this case, the WWE is actually listening to the fans. I mean, look how, we just talked about Brian Danielson, look how long it took to finally get them to push him, even after the fans told him, uh, the fans were telling him, we want this guy as our top guy. And at least now with LA Knight, you're looking at him going, okay, yeah. If they want him as the top act on SmackDown, they want to see him in multiple segments on SmackDown. And until the crowd reactions start dying down for him, which I don't think they're going to happen anytime soon, that's something you got to keep doing to get the fans interested. Keep like you like you said, keep the fans interested when Roman Reigns isn't there. I agree with you. Do I think Roman Reigns is going to be the guy to, or he's going to be the guy to beat Roman Reigns for the undisputed championship? No. I mean, could I see him? Maybe winning the Rumble and going over to Raw to challenge um, Seth Rollins, maybe. Uh, could I see him maybe even somewhere down the line if you're not going to do Gunther for a world title at this year's WrestleMania? Could I see him being the guy to beat Gunther at WrestleMania? I could see that too. Um, he's definitely going to be a big time major player in the WWE. Um, I still think it's going to be Cody Roman at WrestleMania this year, especially with the idea that they threw out there that somebody's got to get traded to SmackDown from Raw after Jay Uso came over, and they haven't really said who it's going to be or when it's going to happen, and then that's how you get to Cody Roman. But LA, there's no reason LA Knight shouldn't be in a top four or five match this year coming up at WrestleMania. Uh, but Chairman, what are your thoughts on LA Knight and his ability to be the top star, stop, top babyface in the WWE?
2: I mean, SmackDown easy. I mean, you look at the SmackDown roster, they don't have a whole lot of strong face characters. I mean, AJ Styles is obviously winding down. You know, Sheamus is getting up there. Ray Mysterio is getting up there. I mean, yeah, L.A. is a little older, too, but he's the hot, new, fresh thing that everyone's been getting behind the last year. And he sells the most merch, like you said. The crowd's definitely mimicking the ad chant, you know, and, you know, he's over. He's the guy, you know, it's time to put the rocket to his back, you know, and give him a title or give him a marquee program or something. I mean, unless, you know, Cody comes over from SmackDown, like we speculated last week. I mean, part of that trade. I mean, he would definitely probably overtake uh, LA Knight, unfortunately, as number one baby face. Maybe, maybe not. I, I think, I don't know, Cody's Cody's on that level, though, too, but so is LA Knight. It'll be fun to see kind of where that goes. Maybe they should feud. But, you know, I feel like Raw just has a lot of, a more roster depth and SmackDown just doesn't have a real good guy to be there. So I don't see why he can't be LA Knight. I think he's definitely proven himself. And, you know, there's a lot of missed opportunities there. I really think he should be U.S. champion right now myself, but whatever. You know, is there a program of Roman down the pipeline? You know, since you mentioned he had that interaction of Paul Heyman, you know, maybe we get there. So all eyes are on LA Knight right now.
0: Yeah, all eyes are on L.A. Knight in a positive manner right now. But unfortunately, all eyes are on Matt Riddle in a negative manner right now because he unfortunately had another reported incident this past weekend at the Port Authority in New York where they, you know, officers got a call of a disorderly person being there. Uh, it was identified as Riddle. Uh, there was apparently no police report filed. Uh, everything was kind of settled. And then Riddle went on social media. I believe it was Instagram- uh, later that uh, night and claimed about being sexually assaulted by the police officer that came and got him away, Got him, you know, met him at the Port Authority. He quickly deleted the story, but then he was once again removed from Raw this past Monday after he was scheduled to uh, do something with Drew McIntyre, and he was pulled, and he was pulled from all live events going forward. And unfortunately, it's just, you know, another incident involving Matt Riddle in his career i mean you know there was his name came out i believe in the me too wrestling movement uh you know there was stuff with him involving his uh his girlfriend and ex-girlfriend and that whole big a uh, big mess there and it's just another line of incidents that unfortunately have plagued Matt Riddle's career after it seemed like he was going to be a um a big, you know, star coming out of NXT and after everything he did with RK bro with, with Randy Orton, uh, you know, that kind of seemed like it was going to, it was a great tag team. And then riddles and, you know, unfortunately Orton got hurt and that kind of ended that who would have thought that the ending of RK bro would have been the thing, especially when you look at somebody like a Randy Orton who's had problems uh, in and of himself uh, and went behind the scenes stuff and being immature. But I mean, at this point, Riddle is what? How old is he? Let me look real quick. He's thirty-seven, so he's definitely somebody that should be matured at this point and not kind of still doing the stuff that he is doing as far as back as these incidents with the WWE. But I almost wonder if the WWE looks at this kind of stuff and just decides to cut bait with Riddle and kind of move on from him, especially if you're not if you're looking at a situation where randy orton doesn't plan on coming back full time i mean if he's going to be out with this injury forever and that was pretty much matt riddle's saving grace being a member of team rk bro um i don't know i mean he's a good wrestler but if they can't get him to kind of stay under control and not do kind of the things that he's been doing i think it's almost to the point like we said he's on raw the depth on raw on raw right now and that roster he's it's really not that miss, but uh, I'll go over to uh, you, Cam, first here. Just what are your thoughts when you read the riddle thing, and do you think it might be time for WWE to kind of cut loose?
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of the guy. I've been a fan of him since his, his independent scene stuff. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he he's no Jeff Hardy. Let's, you know, just to sort of compare something, you know, Jeff Hardy's a big draw and has a legacy, so where the WWE or AEW would help him, um get sober and you know do the right thing um similar with Ric Flair you know there was always a rumor that Vince like held onto his checks and stuff and took care of his bills for him or whatever so he wouldn't just waste all his money um I mean I guess it is time I mean I feel like that's just too many incidents for what he's really hasn't achieved you know You said he had a pretty good run in NXT but the main roster you know hasn't been the best to him you know I know Vince was in charge for the better part of his main roster run. But, you know, he hasn't really brought much to the table. Him and Randy Orton were cool. Um, I mean, I wish Orton was still around because they would be at least another tag team to throw in there for people to face instead of tag team division kind of not doing much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's best, especially now, you know, they're just – they're they're merging with a new company officially like yesterday or today. So, um you know, I'd be probably best for PR relations and all that stuff. And like I said, he wasn't really doing much. You know, he was probably going to get involved in the Xavier Woods um, McIntyre match. But, uh, you know, he wasn't really doing too much on the WWE anyways.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was somebody obviously they're doing the stuff for the New Day with Drew McIntyre so that you can just kind of move along with that right there and not really worry about Riddle. Uh, but Chairman, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, Riddle's kind of—I don't you know—he's just there. He's definitely lost his allure compared to like when he first debuted in NXT. Now, I mean, RK Bro was kind of a saving grace, but Randy Orton hasn't wrestled in almost sixteen months, and there's still really no timeline for Randy Orton's gonna come back. And basically, Riddle hasn't captured that magic of Drew McIntyre. Honestly, I think they should just do away with that tag team sooner than later. It's just not working. There's just two different kind of styles. You know, Or Orton and Real are kind of similar personality-wise in their recreational use outside of the ring. But Drew McIntyre is definitely not that guy. You know, but, um, yeah, that pairing is weird. But this is the uh, infamous. We have two upper card guys, and we have nothing better to do with you guys. So we'll put you together in our dead tag division, and we'll see what happens. And they're feuding with a washed-up New Day, which they need to split those guys up. Honestly, if Big e's not coming back, but that's just my opinion. There's just a lot of changes that need to be made in the tag team division to make it important again. I mean, tag team wrestling has always been ups and downs, more downs lately. But, you know, when I was a kid, I was freaking on the highs. I mean, a lot of great wrestlers started in tag teams. But nowadays, it's just like, hey, you know, whatever. You know, there's not, there's not that many Usos out there, put that way, before the split. But as far as Riddle goes, like, at this point, is like, you're not missing anything if he goes away. I mean, he can be remembered in like three years. He's gone. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Somebody that's probably is going to, you know, kind of go in, you know, he's an afterthought. Maybe he's somebody that comes back in like a few years down the line after he maybe he works some indie shows and shows that he's uh, cotton his head back on streaming. How I mean, look at Drew McIntyre. He was fired, went and worked for, you know, TNA did all that stuff impact and then came back and now look where he is now. So I think that's something that you can, you know, look at, you can look at as an example, if he wants to come back somewhere down the line. Um, I guess I'll throw one, one before we get to our, uh, top five, maybe just, if everybody wants to throw one more thought out there, as far as you can be anything, WWE, raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, whatever the hell you want to throw out there. Um, I think for me, if I'm going to throw one thing out there, I'm really liking this new group that Lashley and the street profits are forming. You know, it's something for them to be different and kind of give them a different look. It kind of takes the street profits, uh, you know, their whole gimmick of you know, kind of like, you know, just being, you know, party guys with the solo cups and the dressing in suits and everything with Lashley. I think it's a good look for them. I'm interested to see what this group ends up doing going forward. So I'm, totally happy that those guys are together and forming a new faction on SmackDown to hell. Who knows? Maybe could even go against the bloodline at some point if they get the right push and, you know, a reinvented street profits against the Usos might be something good. Chairman, um, I'll go over to you here. You got one more thing you want to throw out there. To just give a thought on uh, before we move on.
2: Well, it's time to celebrate the fact that uh, Gunther is now officially the longest reigning intercontinental champion. So, you know, kudos to him for overtaking the honky-tonk man and the fact that he pretty much told uh, Chad Gable that he's a disgusting, terrible father, so he's got the Christian change vibes
0: going on. Uh, Yes, uh, Gunther, Imperium, and Suits, top-notch, by the way. Got to do more of that uh, in the future. Uh, Cam, you got one more thing you want to add on here?
1: Uh, I want to say Shinsuke Nakamura is doing done a pretty good job being a nice like heel component to Seth Rollins and they've kind of extended that feud um I kind of but well, my my thought about it is that Jey Uso I feel like Jey Uso is being positioned as the next top guy on Raw and maybe beat Seth Rollins here in the next couple of months so that way Seth can take some time off to heal his many injuries but I think Jey Uso is kind of being positioned as someone who's going to be you know one of the top three guys on Raw going forward
0: Agreed, especially I really like the whole crowd interaction that he does with the hands going up and down like they're doing. That's something that come night whatever of WrestleMania where he probably inevitably is fighting his brother Jimmy that's going to look really awesome when he does a big entrance like that, whether it's you know just down the ramp or in the crowd coming out. Either way, I think it's going to look awesome. Uh, all right, so as I said at the start of the show, we are going to be doing a uh, kind of top five every week when we have the time to do it. Uh, just random topics, if you ever have an idea you want for a topic, the top five, just throw it out there at the hot underscore tag, and we will be more than happy to do it, but considering fall and WCW time, kind of mentioned is fall brawl, which makes you think of war games, so I figured we would go out there and do top five war games teams of all times, not matches, just teams. And it's fun looking back at some of the stuff. Like You look at the early ones and like, man, I really want to pick the four horsemen, but J.J. Dillon's on there too. And I understand why J.J. Dillon's on the team, but that kind of prevents me from from picking them. So I was trying to avoid uh, teams that had managers in them. So I'm going to go ahead and give my list as far as top five goes. Um, so my number five is going to be um, Team Champa from NXT WarGames 2019. Uh, Tomaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and Kevin Owens. You know, back when Keith Lee was pushed push like a monster, Dijakovic was pushed like a monster. I mean, they're doing a little bit of rehab with Dijakovic on NXT now, but it's nowhere near where he was right here. And of course, the surprise of Kevin Owens going back down to NXT is is a plus two. So they're going to be my number five team. Uh, my number four team is probably going to be from WrestleWar 91. Sting, Brian Pillman, and the Steiner brothers. Um, that's a good war games match. Unfortunately, you know, Sid almost killing Brian Pillman with a power bomb, hitting him at the top of the cage. Um, so, uh, they're my number four team. My number three team is going to be the Dangerous Alliance from 1992: Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, Steve Austin, Larry Zbysko, and Rick Rude. Um, you know, the Rick Flair less era of WCW, where he was still in. Uh, WWF and the Dangerous Alliance being the thing they made up for without the Horsemen not being there. Uh, that's a strong heel team. Uh, my number two team will be from the Survivor Series this past year with the Bloodline, Roman Reigns, The Usos, Solo, and Sami Zayn. I mean, that's just that's an A-lister team right there if you want one, considering the push Roman Reigns is getting and everything the Bloodline was involved in. But my number one team is going back to WrestleWar 92, uh, Sting Squadron, Sting, Nikita Koloff, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, and Barry Windham. I mean, that's a solid group of faces right there. A young up-and-coming Dustin Rhodes, who is still wrestling 30 years later. Uh, babyface Ricky Steamboat. Um, just a solid squad all around. As I said, there are just some near misses on these teams. Like '93, you got Sting, Bridge Bulldog, Dustin Rhodes, and the Shockmaster. Sorry, but the Shockmaster kills that team. Um, and then you just look at some of these really bad teams. Like I really wanted to consider the 96 fall Brawl WCW team of Lex Luger, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson and Sting. But I mean, Sting was in the match for, you know, just to show that he wasn't that NWO Sting and then left. So I can't really consider, I, I personally, at least couldn't consider them a full team. Um, but that's my top five. Um, chairman, why don't you go ahead and give us your top five, uh, war games teams of all time.
2: Alright, so coming in at five, I'm doing NXT 2019, led by mommy herself, Rhea Ripley, with Candice Ray, Tegan Knox, and Dakota Kai. I mean, Candice and Dakota and Tegan were phenomenal in NXT, and, you know, Dakota finally got some love. She got the damage control, but Rhea, you know, she was dominant back then. She's dominant now, and this was kind of a breakout performance here when they took on, you know, uh, Shayna, Io, Bianca, and Kelly. Great match, but this team was top women's team, hands down, Rhea, friends. Um, We also got Undisputed Era, whatever year you want to pick. I mean, I'm going to go with the 2020 team just because that was kind of the one with Roddy Strong included with uh, Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly. Plus, they had that match with McAfee that year. McAfee and Cole's rivalry was phenomenal. And so I was just going to say Undisputed Era being kind of the cornerstone of the new war game matches, being in how many of them. So I felt like Adam Cole and those guys definitely had to get some love. And I'm going to go back to 96 with the NWO, Hollywood Hogan, Kevin Ash, Scott Hall, and Fake Sting. Yes, Fake Sting does bring the team down, but the Sting storyline was so hot back in 96 that I felt like I had to put that in there. Plus the Outsiders, the NWO, you know, Hogan. I mean, so that was some of the best wrestling storylines ever made. And this War Games match was like peak NWO before we get to the Jeff Jarrett Gross era. And then for the other two, my main two, the pretty much both sides of Wrestle War 92, when you had the Angels Alliance, you know, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, Stone Cold, well, before Stone Cold, Tennessee Austin, Sabisco, and Rick Rude, and then you also had Pauly Danger Sleep, also knows Paul Heyman out there, and, you know, Sting, Nikita Koloff, Dustin Rose, Steamboat, Wyndham, just like you said, Justin. And it's just funny, because I literally watched that match before we came on the night, how young all those wrestlers in that match were, how young Jim Ross is, Giovanni Bischoff, I was like, oh my goodness. And then,
0: yeah, it's like and also I got to give credit to in '92. I'm almost positive I haven't watched that one in, in a little bit, but I'm positive that's the one where Medusa is also climbing around up and top up and down the cage. Um, so she's also a big part of that match. Uh, you know, people write off that era of WCW, but you got to remember that like there was some good stuff there. And that War Games match is generally considered the best, at least WCW NWA War Games match of all time. Uh, all right, Cam. So let's go over to you. Your top five war games teams okay
1: you didn't realize there's so many freaking war games type matches they actually did a bunch of them on house shows too which was kind of crazy to me i'm like that's pretty tight you get to go to a house show and you see a war games match that has freaking dusty rose and Ric flair in it that's pretty badass um but yeah so number five i'll go i have a couple of copycats uh i'm gonna go with the sting brian pillman and the steiner brothers i think that's a just an overall pretty solid team um and then I'm going to copy just or chairman, even though I wrote it down, because the 2019 women's uh, team was pretty solid. I think that was kind of like the pivotal moment to for uh, Rhea Ripley, where she's like, OK, this she's going to be like the next star in the WWE. Now here, fast forward a few years later, and she's the most dominant woman wrestler wrestler across the entire freaking planet. No, no questions asked. Um, and then I'm going to go 2018. I'm going to go. This to me, like this, is kind of like the pinnacle of what a war games or like a Survivor Series type team should be. You have Pete Dunn, who's like your enforcer, badass guy. You got Ricochet, who's your top, fl- here's your high flyer, and then you have a dominant tag team in the War Raiders, who at the time was, you know, one arguably one of the better tag teams on the entire planet. Uh, Vince or Triple H, excuse me, Vince Triple H is starting to kind of book them a little bit better these last couple weeks, so we'll see where that goes. Um, but that to me is kind of like just your marquee, like. At least modern day era, like four guys they are like each one of them have their own set of skills, and they bring some to the table. Um, and then I'm just going to use the undisputed era as my number two team. I mean, they were kind of like the modern day four horsemen, involved in almost every single war games match in NXT, um, had some amazing matches throughout the years. So I think that they deserve love just all on their own. And then um, my number one is just going to be for you know the guys at my heart. So we'll do 95 Fall Brawl with uh, the Hulkamaniacs. Hulk Hogan I wonder if, at the time like a little side note I I wonder if everyone was real stoked to be on a team called the Hulkamaniacs you had a Hogan Randy Savage Lex Luger and Sting so I think that's a pretty solid team too
0: Yeah, and it's funny what that team was originally supposed to be Vader instead of Lex Luger until Vader got into his backstage fight with Paul Orndorff, and then Vader was subsequently fired from uh, from WCW, and that's what brought back Lex Luger on the first Nitro. So it's weird how things just come together like that. But that is our top five for this week. As I said, if you have any suggestions for a top five list you want us to do, feel free to go ahead and drop us a line at the hot underscore tag, and we will gladly take care of it. Uh, But that is our show for this week. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C signing off, and we will talk to you guys next week.